0: This episode is sponsored by Bow Lake, the most beautiful paddle boards in the world. Visit bowlake.com and learn more. That's B E A U lake.com. Beau is French for beautiful. B E A U lake.com. You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. The global wine and spirits industry is on the brink of transformation thanks to the rise of blockchain technology and NFTs. By leveraging this revolutionary digital ledger system, businesses in the sector are able to improve their traceability procedures and authentication processes, helping them provide consumers with a high-quality product. While the initial frenzy around NFTs, as witnessed in 2021 during the crypto bull run, have subsided, innovation around Web3 continues unabated. One two-year-old company that is shaking up the global luxury beverage industry is Blockbar, which positions itself as the premier NFT marketplace for high-end wine and spirits. Blockbar already has partnered with some of the biggest wine and spirits brands in the world, including Diageo, LVMH, Pernod Ricard, Remy Cointreau, Bacardi, and others. My guest on the luxury item is Jamie Ritchie, Chief Operating Officer at Blockbar. Ritchie is a highly respected industry veteran who joined Blockbar earlier this year. He brings a wealth of experience to the startup company from his more than 32 years of service at Sotheby's, where he was worldwide chairman of the Wine and Spirits division. Ritchie is notable for having launched Sotheby's wine auctions in New York, Hong Kong, and France, as well as its spirits category. He led the commercial success of the Wine and Spirits portfolio, which saw revenues rise to $132 million U.S. dollars, He was also instrumental in driving the company's record-high auction sales and holds the records for selling the most expensive bottles of both wine and spirits. Welcome to The Luxury Item, Jamie. Thank you, Scott. Great to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. So Blockbar just turned two years old, and it was a pretty early adopter in the NFT space. When it launched, it positioned itself as the world's first direct-to-consumer NFT platform for luxury wine and spirits. So, with that in mind, I think a great place to kick things off is to share with my listeners what real problems in the luxury wine and spirits market did its founders see that they felt blockchain and NFTs would solve.
1: So I, I think the um, the main uh, purpose of Blockbar is to provide increased transparency and traceability in the sale of uh, high quality wines and spirits. And so during a a traditional distribution system, Essentially, the wine, the bottles of wines and spirits uh, go from the producer uh, to the consumer via a, a various channels of distribution, where there's uh, where they're opaque. And so, what Blockbar does through the use of blockchain is to use uh, blockchain to provide a guaranteed um, a guaranteed in, in three areas: guaranteed uh, provenance, authenticity. Uh, and um, condition, and so, in so, so, when yeah, the block bar is a, a direct consumer platform. So the uh, NFTs are minted directly from the producer and go directly to the first consumer, and through the block bar ecosystem, that is is maintained. So essentially, it provides assurance for uh, the the first purchaser or any future purchasers that the uh, the bottles uh, did come from that producer that they are authentic and they are in good condition because uh, they've been stored perfectly. So essentially that was the transparency and traceability is what uh, Blockbar was set up to create. Yeah, the traditional system relies upon obviously people um, doing the job that they uh, are supposed to do, but there's no visibility into it. There's no transparency. And so one has to trust and assume uh, that everything is good. So Blockbar yeah, and and the block and blockchain brings traceability and transparency to the process that so everyone can understand and see. And so the advantage for producers is that yeah, they obviously they'd like to know who uh, purchased their bottles or or casks. They like to know who owns them today, and they like to know uh, who consumes or redeems them. And uh, blockchain enables that to happen.
0: So, who are some of the twenty-two? I think it's twenty-two. It could be more by now. Luxury spirits and wine brand partners that Block Bar has in its portfolio.
1: So, BlockBar is is obviously founded out of um, the the principles behind Duty Free Americas, um, which is uh, yeah a two plus billion dollar business um, selling uh, mostly spirits um, in uh, yeah in uh, airports and and two hundred fifty-three duty-free stores around um, America. And so their relationships really were mostly with the largest uh, spirits uh, brands. So whether that's Diageo, Moet Hennessy, Bacardi, William Grant, Remy Cointre, et cetera. So most of the uh, most of the releases that have happened uh, from Blockbar have been around the spirits area. Yeah, you know, whether that's uh, Hennessy, Remy Martin, Runard, Patron, Glenfiddich, Penfolds, et cetera. Uh, and so in different categories, obviously, Scotch whiskey has been super important. Uh, tequila, cognac, rum, mezcal, champagne, um, different categories that has been sold on Blockbar.
0: So is your pitch to brands primarily focused on the advantages of blockchain as it relates to counterfeit prevention and quality control?
1: Um, that, that's certainly one part of it. I, I think the, um, the fact that it is a DTC platform is really important. So producers want to be uh, want to understand who their consumers are and uh, and consumers want to have a relationship with the producer. And so during traditional distribution channels, yeah that has been essentially kept apart. So there's always intermediaries in between um, who are, are separating the two. Our, our aim as, as part of our uh, of the transparency and traceability is to actually link the two. So we're a direct from producer to consumer channel and I think that's the most important um, element of it. The traceability and transparency is certainly yeah, critical because that gives the confidence to the marketplace uh, once it happens. But I would say it, it's twofold. I, I think the, yeah, the 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 producers and the consumers want to have a relationship together.
0: So, how do buyers and investors go about trading their NFTs or burning their NFTs and redeem the physical bottle directly?
1: So, well, once you've purchased an NFT, so an NFT is an asset-backed NFT. So, rather than just a digital NFT, obviously the 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 value of the bottle, or the case, or the cask behind it is the value of what it is. Once someone's bought an NFT, they can do four things with it. They can uh, they can just store it and just keep it. Uh, they can gift it to someone else anywhere around the world. Uh, they can um, sell it on the the blockbum marketplace uh, and and sell it and as many people can sell it as as, as they want uh, in the future and uh, or they can redeem it. So redeeming it means taking possession of it. So they request um yeah, to to take possession. Uh, we burn the NFT and uh, and we ship the uh, the the bottle uh, etc. to where yeah, where they they prefer. We can ship to about um, thirty eight countries uh, at the moment.
0: So over the last two years, what have most people been doing?
1: Uh so it's interesting because one of the things I, I'm obviously relatively new to Blockbar. I've only been with uh, the business for about four or five months. Right. Uh, and I was actually surprised to learn when I joined. That uh, around thirty percent of what is available to be redeemed has been redeemed, and mm. I think that's a pretty healthy uh, amount because you, you, yeah, it's important. You know, people produce wines and spirits uh, for them to be consumed, and because consumption is an important part of the ecosystem, uh, and and I think that's a healthy a healthy percentage.
0: Aside from young crypto enthusiasts and liquor or wine collectors who don't have a place to store their bottles. Who do you see as the target markets for BlockBar?
1: So, I think BlockBar's uh, evolves obviously. In in order to buy uh, an NFT, one has to be somewhat comfortable with with um, being yeah, digitally savvy. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the the main part of the audience for BlockBar is millennial and Gen Zs, and that's ninety percent of the audience and seventy percent of the purchasers. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the evolution of the, of the platform. I think yeah. Initially, the, obviously, there are many many people focused on the crypto uh, world, uh, and then the NFT world. I think now what we're seeing is we're seeing digitally savvy people wanting to collect uh, and buy and enjoy wines and spirits um, in a in a different way to to previous gener the way previous generations collected. So I would see this as a, a primarily as a collector site. Collectors buy for different reasons. They buy to Uh, consume and enjoy they buy to build a collection uh, which involves consumption and probably an understanding that maybe they're not going to consume all they buy and then there's some people who buy for investment and so i think it's a combination of the three and most people do do either you know two of the three or three of the three Uh, and so i see our 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 business as being primarily a collector business Um, yeah focused on yeah a younger generation of collectors
0: Blockbar's first year of business saw like seven million U.S. dollars in sales and about three hundred thousand users. You know, you just closed the book on year two. What kind of growth did you have?
1: So the the growth uh, was really been in expanding different categories. Uh, of uh, of uh, and different pr- producers and different brands uh, that are interested in it, and also growing the audience uh, both geographically and demographically. And so the customer base has grown pretty significantly. It's evolved, obviously, yeah, in terms of of who it is, um, and and what they wanted wanting to do, and the number of producers uh, who are engaged with the site and who we're talking to uh, is also evolving. And I think you know traditionally. It's been uh, yeah focused m- more on the the larger producers. I think we're expanding it to different niche producers, um, yeah who are doing interesting things. So I think yeah, Blockbar is an innovative site, um, yeah f- yeah which is sort of a, a new channel of distribution. And obviously, we're we're working with um, innovative uh, people, both in in, uh, producers who are new to the market, and also innovative people who are with with traditional producers, but doing innovative things with them.
0: One of the advantages of blockchain is that brands can share a wealth of information with their consumers. While there is a great value in end-to-end visibility, the data on the blockchain cannot be changed once it's established there can still be human error or intentional misconduct in inputting the initial data onto the blockchain. How do you prevent inaccurate or fraudulent data from the brand being entered on the block bar?
1: Well, so I I don't think any brand uh, who we would work with uh, would, would intentionally put fraudulent data on the blockchain. So working directly with the producers, I think is the best way to avoid fraudulent information. Um, because producers don't want to deceive their 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 clients, uh, and so I, I think yeah, where, where you introduce blockchain later in, in the in the in the distribution channel, I think that's a challenge. But I think coming directly from producers is the the essence of of having the the greatest integrity, and obviously we work together with the producers to make sure that the any of the information we're putting on the blockchain is 100 accurate. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, we're, we're only when it's been approved by both sides do we publish it. So I, I'm pretty confident about the, um, the accuracy and integrity of the data which we publish.
0: Before joining Block Bar in April, you had an amazing career. You know, you were worldwide chairman of the Wine and Spirits division of Sotheby's. You were with Sotheby's for an eye-popping 32 years where you excelled as an auctioneer and a leading authority on wines and spirits. So what attracted you about Blockbar's business model?
1: So I think Blockbar has uh, the business model of the future. I think it is, uh, I was super interested in it while I was at Sotheby's, uh, I, I thought it was innovative, but essentially, yeah, at Sotheby's for 32 years, every single week, we were concerned about authenticity and provenance. Mm-hmm. And we dealt with it on a on a daily basis. Um, yeah, the idea of having a uh, a system whereby everything is can be uh, transparent and traced, that you can be assured of the provenance, the authenticity, and the condition, is a, an amazing thing. And so, I think for new, for any new releases coming directly from a property, then that is that that has a great validity and value. I also think that that wines and spirits. Yeah, they yeah, in the traditional model, they move around the world and then yeah, a bottle may be sold to Sweden and then go to America and then go to Asia. Each time there's a transaction, the physical bottle has to move. I believe that going forward, wines and spirits should move less and they should be stored close to their their production, and then when they're ready to be consumed, should be shipped to the consumer. And so that's more environmentally friendly and it's more uh, friendly for the condition of the wines or spirits. And so I believe that that's going to take place in the future, uh, and and starts really now with BlockBar. And so we intend to keep the wines and spirits close to the source of production, uh, and only ship them. And, you know that they can change ownership uh, multiple times, year until they're ready to be consumed. And when they're ready to be consumed, they get shipped. So I believe the benefits of that of, of the platform. And the concept is, yeah, has great validity. And so, obviously, you don't leave salaries after thirty-two years, um, yeah, without giving it considerable thought. And uh, and I gave it considerable thought, and I, I think the model is, uh, is is extraordinarily valuable and valid going forward, and uh, and is a yeah a model for future distribution.
0: We'll be right back after a quick break with more of my conversation with Jamie Ritchie. Bow Lake, Kim rocky shore I will return once more yes I will boom dee boom-dee-dee-boom boom, boom. boom dee boom, boom boom. all right the world's most beautiful paddle boards bow lake the water is calling we're back with more from Jamie Ritchie You know, the pandemic really changed the way the wine and spirits trade does business, including accelerating the move to online selling. You saw firsthand at Sotheby's how fine wine and rare rare spirits at the auctions became more dynamic online and attracted new and younger audiences. Was that shift an eye-opening one for you?
1: Sure. I mean, during the pandemic and we, we... when I was at Sotheby's, we had no choice. Um, know, yeah, we couldn't convene an audience, um, in a traditional live auction format. Uh, and in order to maintain uh, sales and revenue, we had to very quickly uh, transition ourselves to being an online only platform, and uh, and that took persuasion from both the sellers, um, encouragement for the buyers, and yeah, the digital tools that were developed very swiftly enabled buyers, um. Yeah, to participate in the auctions from anywhere using their phones, and so and, and that yeah the the pandemic enforced everyone to to, to train or, and be trained on with the new tools. So I think you've got a a unbelievable um a number of people who can yeah now transact um very happily using their phones um and uh and it is yeah it is the future and so actually in a traditional auction environment it's very difficult to get people to come and attend an auction because they're so well trained so i think you know, wines and spirits, you know, whilst it's our business, it's our uh, it's our clients and consumers passion, their fun, their interest. So you've got to keep them engaged and interested. So I think, in fact, you know, holding events where they can come and participate and, and engage is, is very important going for future going forwards.
0: So since you started, how has BlockBar leveraged your unparalleled wealth of experience and knowledge to grow the business?
1: So uh, I obviously have a have a, a long experience in working with with the uh, yeah, highest value wines and spirits. And um and yeah, we're working uh on on creating a sustainable and scalable platform for the future. Mm-hmm. And so that is using different sales mechanics. So how you sell, how you price. So there's there's obviously fixed price, uh and we sold yeah, first come, first serve, or via yeah, through a ballot system or yeah in in terms of of invariable pricing you, know, you can use traditional auction method you can use sealed bid you can use leaderboard technologies so it's is using different models for different applications which is very flexible um you know you can think about selling costs or fractionalizing costs or progressively fractionalizing costs so and so i think the younger generation enjoy you know a, a the concept of gamification around what are they doing and if we can add that um to uh the enjoyment of collecting wines and spirits i think is super interesting so if you take progressive um fractionalization you could Uh, Fractionalize something over a period of time into different fractions. So I think there's there are different ways in which you can use the technology uh, to engage people, Um, and and I I think there's also you know obviously Blockbuster's been primarily a spirits business to date uh, out of duty free Americas, uh, and now obviously my background is is, was was mostly in wine, and so we'll be looking to introduce um, different. different wine um, producers um, you know, to, to, to uh, different wine categories and we're, we're working through how do we do that in an interesting and engaging way.
0: I know you've been there since April, but has has your perspective on the business changed at all? Uh, I mean I
1: think I've learned an awful lot about the business um, and I understand it um, yeah, after four months, a whole lot better. <laughs> my, my perspective um, in terms of the 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 opportunity, And the reason why um, it it was founded um, and exists is has not changed at all. I think my understanding of the potential of it and what we can do with it, how we use it, how we use different pricing mechanisms, um, how we can grow the audience, how important it is to find new audiences. I think one of the things that's interesting for me is the boomers are aging out. They're consuming less there's weight loss drugs that are affecting um consumption right and, and yeah and the younger generation um which are, are, are very important are uh, yeah they're, they they there's more abstinence there's more uh, consumption moderation uh, there's a number of different um, competing factors, whether that's marijuana and mushrooms, whether it is um, RTDs or increasingly sophisticated non-alcoholic drinks. So I think going forward, the wine and spirits business needs to find and engage with younger consumers, and the younger consumers think and collect uh, in a different way to their previous generations. Yeah, experiences are important. Um, yeah, they want to to feel um, a relationship with the producer. They want to feel that the relationship with that producer yeah aligns with their values um, in terms of sustainability, environmental natures, etc. So I think it's a it's a very very interesting time whereby there's a lots of dynamics going on in the evolution of the drinks business um, and. Is, is not a, a straight line forward. And people need to think, um, yeah, in a slightly different way about how the future looks for them.
0: So a couple of years ago, you partnered with Glenn Fiddick Scotch Whiskey around a Chinese New Year NFT. And most recently in September, Glenn Fittick released a 30-year-old limited edition Scotch Whiskey called Suspended Time on Block Bar. Can you talk about those joint ventures with Glenfiddich and what success have they seen by embracing the direct-to-consumer NFT marketplace?
1: Uh, so, uh, I mean, yeah, so working with Glen Glenfiddich have been one of the biggest supporters of, of Blockbar um, and uh, all the releases we that Blockbar's done with Glenfiddich have sold out. Um, they've yeah, Glenfiddich's been introduced to a younger uh, audience and a much more global audience. So it reaches yeah, block by its nature is a global platform and it reaches uh, a global audience. Um, yeah, w- which is yeah, in places whereby traditional distribution doesn't necessarily reach. So they're reaching a group of consumers they've never been able to reach or target before. Uh, And, and, uh, and each one has been been extremely successful. So we're we're luckily we have a great relationship with them. And uh, we're working on some fun and interesting things uh, for next year.
0: Yeah, and you sold a $130,000 Middleton whiskey NFT in like two seconds after going live on your platform. So what went down there?
1: So, so, I mean, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, it was the the pinnacle vintage. It's uh, extremely rare, uh, one of one of uh, of the first Irish whiskey available on Block Bar, um, and uh, and it was obviously, yeah, it was unique in what it was. Um, it was it got a lot of uh, publicity and PR. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, it, it, there was a tremendous demand for it. So obviously yeah, one of ones are, are very interesting. Um, yeah, they are yeah, by their nature, very, very rare. Um, or, or, or one of one is, is one of one. Um, and so, you yeah, know, in, in that situation, you've got something which is exceptional, rare, unique, um, and, uh, and obviously attract a lot of PR therefore and, and, and subsequently a lot of demand and we're working on something interesting with them going forward as well.
0: So does that investor still own the NFT?
1: They do. They still own it. Uh, they have not, it has not been sold and has not been redeemed.
0: So as you well know, the wine world has historically been opaque due to complex supply chain. Consumers are increasingly looking for you know, verifiable provenance and assurance that the wines they purchase meet their expectations from where the bottle is coming from, the producer, its history, how it got there. How do you think the wine industry will benefit from Web3 technology?
1: So, I mean, I think it comes back to the, the transparency and traceability. Um, I think you know the 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 wine and spirits business, um, yeah, you know, wants and, and needs it, if you like. Um, yeah, you know, the through traditional uh, forms of distribution, which are, are still very valid, because if one wants to buy and consume a bottle today, one needs to be able to get access to it. In in the highest quality wines and spirits. You know, when they're not necessarily ready to be ready or desire to be consumed immediately, then having verifiable provenance, uh, condition and authenticity is extremely valuable. So I think, yeah, you know, where Web3 technology comes in is providing that traceability and transparency, um, yeah, throughout the process and giving uh consumers the confidence uh that they know what they're buying, they're gonna get what they're buying, they're gonna get exactly what what uh, what is described, and it's gonna be in perfect condition.
0: So I was taking a look at BlockBar's active marketplace, and it's heavily dominated by a variety of high-profile whiskey brands. Um, but the only wine brand listed was Penfolds, which I know has partnered with BlockBar on a few NFT drops. It seems like such a natural fit with the wine industry and the world of NFTs. This concept of scarcity, of provenance, really matters to both industries. Is gaining traction with wine partners more challenging for BlockBar?
1: I I don't necessarily think it's more challenging. Um, they I think wine producers and spirit producers do think differently. Uh, the 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 reason BlockBar has mostly been um, offering yeah releases from spirit producers is because the, the founders were from Duty Free Americas, which is ninety nine percent spirit. Um, and so their relationships were 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 with the spirits producers and uh and their and and that was you know so sort of the reason they were founded was to yeah primarily look at the spirits business. Obviously, my background is is in wine, uh primarily, and uh and so I've been looking a, a, a lot at this uh, the wine business. Um so and, and I say the two differences are spirits are produced every single day, 365 days a year, and they may be laid down for yeah, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and so, yeah, the, the producers are thinking about yeah, future markets, how are they going to sell? How are they going to grow their marketplace? Where are they going to grow their marketplace? Who's going to be their consumer? And when wine producers are producing something uh, which is yeah, unique to the vintage from that specific plot of land every single year, so they tend to, yeah, right now they're thinking, okay, I've picked my last grapes. Yeah, I've got a you know, a, a, a good crop or an abundant crop of, of good quality or high quality in the winery. Now let me think about selling it. So I think they approach things in a different way. Uh, they have a different perspective and a different time horizon. Uh, and so, yeah, because of that, I, I think that they do, um, yeah, they, they do understand uh, and think differently. And so I, I would say that you know we are going to start introducing wine as a category next year. Um, and we'll we're thinking about how do we innovate around it, how do we uh, create um an interesting um platform for wine that is not just retail. And yeah, if if are yeah, what what I don't think is is valid is is um yeah, attaching an NFT to a retail. Product, yeah, that that's that that doesn't uh, that doesn't solve anything for anyone. So we are so certainly uh, yeah, blockchain led. We use the NFT as the token yeah you know, as an asset-backed redeemable token, and uh, and then we'll present produ- we'll present wines and in, in the innovative way that the has already been presenting spirits.
0: What are some of the interesting ways your brand partners have leveraged the community aspect of NFTs, like offering exclusive access to events, allocations, and other benefits?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, so I, I think, yeah, as as we mentioned, the 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 consumers want to have a relationship with the producer, and uh, and through yeah smart contracts, you can um, you can engage and, and encourage different sorts of behaviors, and so I think experiences. Um, yeah, the Dalmore had yeah a, a dinner for the buyers, and one person flew from Australia uh, to attend that dinner. And so there's different ways uh, you can encourage behaviors. I think experiences are very, very important. I think you'd have different events around the world, whether it's tastings, dinners, um, at wineries, distilleries, different cultural events. So I think there's a lot to do um, in that area. Uh, I also think that, yeah, with, yeah, as I mentioned, with different sales mechanisms, with gamification, you can, yeah, you can do different, um, yeah, elements. Yeah, there was, um, you yeah, know, the BlockBot did the, um, yeah, the first community voted bottle design with Johnny Walker uh, Blue Label uh, and Vandy the Pink. So I think there's lots of interesting ways in which you can uh, engage consumers um, to participate, uh, you yeah, know, using different technologies.
0: We're also seeing the rise of fractional ownership backed NFTs. You know, it's a novel method for individuals to gain exposure to different assets without having to invest the amount of capital required to own the entire property, art piece, or casks of spirit. Is this an area Blockbar is exploring?
1: Yes, uh, definitely. I I think fractionalization is very interesting. Um, Yeah, for me, I'm sort of less interested in fractionalizing a specific bottle because a bottle's got to be consumed and how do you sort of fractionalize that in an efficient way whereby it gets consumed, you know, in an easy and, and enjoyable environment. I think the, the fractionalization around casks um, and barrels is very, very interesting because obviously you can, you know, when it gets bottled, you can subdivide it easily um, and, and you can enjoy it. And I think progressive fractionalization is another thing whereby it is, is, is very interesting. So I I'm a strong believer in the fractionalization of um, different uh, things, but, 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 Primarily where it ends up, whereby someone can still take possession, enjoy and use it rather than have a shared value with an undetermined end.
0: So looking forward, what role do NFTs play in the future of the luxury beverage industry?
1: So uh, an NFT is the token and the token that enables a swift, speedy interesting yeah an efficient transaction i think yeah the key for me is in fact the 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 fact that the business relies upon blockchain um and the blockchain technology is is probably the best inventory of record system today uh and then it's a direct to consumer marketplace so it's the combination of using blockchain to validate and verify the provenance authenticity and condition using the nft as the token to have a very efficient transaction that's immediate and uh uncertain um and then applying that to the wine spirits business which are both multi-billion dollar businesses um uh, and and global in nature and becoming much more global in in nature so i think that that for me is like blockchain is going to grow um yeah i i think either wine spirits business is going to grow, or both of them are going to grow. So I think it's it's truly scalable um and and is a new distribution channel that will um that will start off as a slither of the distribution pie and then grow to, yeah, we'll we'll be interested to see how far we can grow it globally.
0: Data has shown that web three concepts such as NFTs and the metaverse are showing less than stellar adoption and the collapse of FTX and other major Web3 token projects hasn't helped build confidence in the space. What's your strategy for introducing more consumers into the world of Web3 and expanding wine and spirits, collecting and investing to the masses?
1: So I, I obviously, you know, you, you know, cryptocurrencies and, and NFTs have had their sort of den in, in, the, in the sunshine. I think at the end of the day, crypto is going to evolve yeah, stronger and better for it. In terms of NFTs, the challenge has mostly been around the values of digitally native NFTs which don't aren't asset backed. Right. Um, and so I think, yeah, the fact that the the, the block bar NFTs are asset backed sort of yeah, the value of the NFT is the value of the bottle or the case or the cost behind it. So uh, I'm not worried in any way around the values of the NFTs that Blockbar sells. I think there, there's, it's the value of the asset. Um, in terms of cryptocurrency, cryptocurrencies will yeah, fluctuate. Uh, you know, you can, you know, you can pay by using a credit card, you can pay in US dollars. Um, and so we sort of have that um, area covered. Um, in in terms of um, uh, of uh, the sort of the future evolution, I think obviously digitally savvy people understand that the asset back the NFTs are asset backed. They understand um, the, the 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 value that is offered. They understand that they don't need to take possession of of it. They can build a collection and have it and have BlockBus store the property. Um, they understand the storytelling. Yeah, I think I think Blogbot offers a, a great platform for storytelling about uh, different um different uh releases from different producers um in a fun and interesting uh way that talks to uh to the audience. I think the elements of of the cell releases and the mechanics and the gamification. Um, is also uh, sort of super interesting. And then the experiences that, that you can offer yeah, directly from the producers. So yeah, we want to encourage the, the consumer um, and the producer to have a relationship together. So I, I think a combination of all those things it, it, it means that the, the younger audience will want to engage in this way uh, because it's fun, it's interesting, uh,
0: and it's a short. So, Jamie, my final question is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you could only have one luxury item with you, one single luxury item, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air or water transportation to get you off that island or anything that requires mobile service. So you can call somebody to get you off that island. It's just you on this island. Lots of trees, lots of sand, lots of oceans. You are deserted on this island. What would that one single luxury item you would like to have with you?
1: Um, can it be a cellar of wine? Sure. Okay, I'll take that. That's <laughs> going to keep. That's going to keep me going every morning, lunch, and dinner. Uh, every day. <laughs> Uh, well, I I would love a wine cellar with lots of uh, yeah. The one of the, the great things about wine is is yeah the all the different um, wines yeah from different grape varieties, different regions, different vintages, etc. So yeah, for me the 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 variability, the variations, the selection uh, that you make is is the most interesting. If I'm confined to one region and one wine, it's probably white Burgundy because you can drink it for for lunch, for dinner. Um, it has the same complexity as red. Um, uh, but much more versatility in terms of when you're likely to drink it, but, it's, um, but, but your yeah, wine, yeah, gives, um, yeah, a, a huge amount of pleasure by the variety of what, uh, of, of what is offered worldwide. So th- that would be, I, I want the widest parameter I could possibly have.
0: Jamie Ritchie, chief operating officer at Block Bar. Thank you so much for joining me on the luxury item. Scott, it's
1: a pleasure. Thank you very
0: much for having me. That's it for this episode of the luxury item podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The luxury item podcast is a production of Silvertone consulting. I'm your host Scott Kerr. Until next time.